This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, Browns fans. It's Wednesday. It is 7 o'clock. That means it's time for OBR Weekly with uh, yours truly, Barry McBride, and... The legend, Mr. Fred Greedham. How you doing, Fred? Doing all right. Pretty all cold right. day today. But yeah, it was. It was. It was a it was a surprise starting off right at 6 a.m. today with news hitting the airwaves. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Chat username is first on to 24. The offseason has officially started. It doesn't mean we're going to let you escape without talking a little bit about the horror in Houston. Uh, I'm going to force Fred to talk about that a little bit because uh, only because it's relevant to uh, 2024 in the off season. But as usual, if you are dialed into this program, you know that uh, we are reliant on your comments and questions to make this program go. Uh, part of that is because uh, we uh, want to hear from you. Part of that is because uh, my pre-show prep is really nothing to uh, uh, to take seriously. But I do have a couple of questions I want to talk to Fred. But then it is on to yours. So please hit us up with your comments and questions in the Twitch and YouTube chat rooms. And we will hit them up. So Fred, change. Uh, happening immediately uh, as the 2024 uh, season begins. The Browns earlier today reportedly have moved on from offensive coordinator Alex Van Pelt, running backs coach Stump Mitchell, and tight ends coach T.C. McCartney. Uh, there was a little bit of an early morning insider fight uh, on the status of Van Pelt, but ultimately it was determined that he would be moving on. Uh, have you heard anything else, sir, uh, beyond those three coaches? I know that there are some rumors going around that uh, it hasn't ended there, but uh, have you heard anything definite, sir? No, other than I think there was – I think it was semantics. Um, I think Van Pelt's still under contract, and so mm-hmm. um, there was some talk about redefining his role. And he chose, as I understand, not to, not to take a new role. Um, yeah, you wake up today. Okay, tight end has his best year of his career. Offensive coordinator, quarterback, you know, coach works with four different starting quarterbacks that win games first time in history and a total of five quarterbacks. And, you know, the, what we have tight end running back, you know, you lose Nick Chubb. So let's fire those three. Meanwhile, the defense got blown out by the Houston Texans. So it was like, 
um, I realized I wasn't expecting anything on the defensive side, but I wasn't really expecting those positions. In fact, if I was to look at unsafe safe face value, it seems like the wide receivers is a position that was underperforming, whether it was underperforming or a lack of talent acquisition. I don't mm. know, but I thought Elijah Moore had an underwhelming year. Um, and, you know, you moved on from people's Jones and you didn't really see a whole lot about, about Marquise Goodwin or anybody else. Right. Right. Um, other than Amari Cooper. So that's the coaches you kept as the wide receivers coach and the offensive line, which I'm sure anyway. Yeah. I awoke to go. I have a regular radio program and the producer informed me just to make sure I was aware of some moves that happened. So I quickly scanned the LBR cause that was before my uh, wake up time. And I was like, holy moly, what's going on around here? Who reports news at six o'clock in the morning? So anyway, yeah, eventful day. And I'm sure it won't be the end of it. No, apparently it won't. You know, one sort of interesting uh, note that uh, you passed along to us, Fred, is that uh, Andrew Barry won't be meeting with the press until next week. You know, originally we had heard that he was going to meet with the press this week sort of a hint that uh let me just stop you there yeah we got another update later saying hold that thought we might be able to do it friday morning so okay nothing has All been right. confirmed but that when they say when he said that that kind of made it sound like that it'll probably be friday morning when we're supposed to get the most snow of the winter <laughs> well you know it, it seemed to me that if they were going to hold his press conference till next week, that some more skullduggery might be afoot, you know, in terms of changes, because they wouldn't want him, you know, rolling out there in the middle of some, you know, big changes uh, to the uh, the offensive staff. But, you know, as, as you as you were saying, Fred, the, the Browns offense was considered by many to be overachieving this year given all the injuries at running back and at quarterback and so on and so forth. What do you think was the team's motivation to make these changes? What, what do you think is driving them? I, I have some theories, but they're cockamamies you would expect. So let's hear yours. Yeah. They're, they finished 10th and scoring 23.9. Mm -hmm. um, and they improved in, they didn't improve as much in passing. I mean, they're still 19th and I think that was an area I don't know. You had Flacco come in and you're throwing for over 300 yards in all but one of the games he played, five of the six games. And part of it's because they had no running game, but Watson never threw for 300 yards. He should have had one in the third game, but against the Titans. But if you remember, they took away 40 yard touchdown, right. said Amari Cooper stepped out of bounds. So he had 289 yards in that game. But with that being said, I have to think it's it's more on the range of the passing game. And I think what you saw at the end of the season is more what they really want. And maybe maybe the the setup was more geared, the coaches were more geared to, you know, working with the pocket passer and not the RPOs and 
right. and more of the skill set of Watson. I mean, we heard about a, a whole new offense. I saw some things at Greenbrier, but we never saw them in the preseason. They never really got on track. And I really don't know what that offense was supposed to look like. You know, and then you saw Flacco. Is that really what you want? But with a mobile quarterback, because why couldn't Watson do that, the deep ball? But then, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're spread out, take off running. That's what we expected a little more of. So I really don't know. I My theory is Kevin Stefanski has been slow to make changes. If you remember last year when he let go of Joe Woods, he had Jim Schwartz immediately brought him in. Mm -hmm. He almost got a – I think there was back channels with Ventrone and because right away they didn't make a move. Prefer was under contract. And then soon as um, the Browns were given permission to talk with Ventrone, then you saw Prefer was let go. I have to think that Stefanski has somebody in mind already lined up that he wants to come in here and help out with a more explosive offense. You know, I don't know if mm-hmm. it's, you know, what what particular tree it's with or what, but it just, you know, they know they got to be more explosive on offense. I mean, they just, you know, were whether running game or passing game, they were just inconsistent all the way around. And they feel like last year they hit gold with Schwartz and Ventrone. And I have to think he thinks maybe making a change is the same thing. I don't think it was easy. You know, don't get lost on the Mike Prefer. He was very close to him and let him go after being with him his entire time with Cleveland and then going back to Minnesota. Same way with Van Pelt. My, My question to Van Pelt is what, what do you really want to do? I, I, I don't understand an offensive coordinator that doesn't call the plays. I mean, what's right. the what's the attraction to the job? And if that is going to be remain the case, that seems to me that you're going to limit your pools unless you have somebody that really hasn't done it somewhere else, and this would be a promotion, and they'd be okay just to come in and fill that quarterback coach offensive coordinator role. So I really don't know until it shakes out, but I have to think that um, Kevin Stefanski already has in mind who he wants, just like he did with Jim Schwartz and Bubba Ventrone. I don't think he's just moving on and starting over. Like they brought in Deuce Staley today. That would Mm -hmm. tell me that somebody they felt like a young, energetic running back coach over Stump Mitchell. Okay. I don't think they just say what I always say with personnel, don't cut a guy until you got a a better replacement. I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it is with the coach, maybe a little different, but you already got somebody that you're pretty sure that you're going to bring in before you make that move. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a, a couple of things that, you know, the media isn't able to really see right we don't see what goes on in the the rooms while they're studying film you know we don't get to see all of practice during the season 
uh, to see if the players are responding to the coaches or listening to the coaches, if what the coaches are telling them are getting through. We don't see that, right? And so we can't sit there and evaluate whether or not the communication is happening well with the coaches. I agree with you, Fred, to a, to a certain extent on the nature of the coaching staff and, and the success with Flacco almost coming back to bite them, you know, sort of saying, why can't you do this with Deshaun Watson, right? Uh, maybe you're geared more toward the pocket passer and not the mobile quarterback, and that's really what we want. That's what we're built around. Maybe change is needed. And just a little element of at some point, you know, uh, you've had three, four years with these players. At some point, they just need to hear somebody new. You know, different advice, different uh, different take on things, a fresh view of things. And you just have to keep changing at some point. Uh, not that it's change for change's sake, but, you know, sometimes different voices can help jar people to a new level of performance. Well, I'll throw this out. Okay. Um, I'm not saying at all that this is the reason he was let go, but I don't know if you noticed in my notes, Last week, when we met with Alex Van Pelt, the day before Stefanski was asked who was going to be the backup quarterback for the playoff game, and he said, we're going to let the week play out. On Thursday, Van Pelt was asked that kind of a back door, and he said, oh, Jeff Driscoll's our backup quarterback going forward. Right. Right. We get to the game on Saturday, and they made Driscoll – the third emergency quarterback, meaning right. that PJ Walker was the backup quarterback. Now, if that was like, Hey, first of all, you don't talk to the, or tell the media anything or, and, and I'm going to show you, you were wrong or something. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how that came about, but some of us raised our eyes when we saw the inactive list come out, you know, that, Driscoll was the third quarterback when right. Van Pelt just told us he was the backup. So I remember when Mayfield's last year here, it kind of went under the radar. The last interview we had with Mayfield after that Steelers game, he was banged up. He said, he, he said some things like, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to play next week. I'm, I'm going to do what's best for my family and me. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, and earlier in the interview, he said something to the effect, you know, we could have, had better play calls, and he, and he kind of threw Stefanski under the bus. Nothing was ever said by Stefanski in that, but they moved on from Mayfield, okay? Right, right. I'm not saying that has anything to do with why they moved on from Van Pell, but, you know, I've just – last year Kiffin talked to the media, and he, and he told the story about Jadavian Clowney, you know, not wanting to go in on, third, on first and second down. He was let go, you know, and it's like they never tell you, but I'm just wondering if Van Pelt and Stefanski weren't totally on the same page towards the end here, if that had anything to do with it. And like I said, you know, I don't know really what the role was. He, he was involved in the play in the plans, but he was a quarterback coach, and so you think he did a pretty good job with all the different quarterbacks they had. So Right. Right. Well, sometimes, you know, it, it's it's not that he let it slip that 
caused the angst. It's that he wasn't in the loop, right? And that that's a bad sign, you know. Uh, if you're uh, if you're in business and the politics aren't going your way, and you all of a sudden you're not in all the meetings and things like that, and you know sometimes you can read the writing on the wall that way. But uh, at any rate, uh, we will see uh, what kind of guy that they're looking for and what you know, his and background is. I've seen reports, and I think even one of our um, comments here, if 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 Watson said, hey, go get Kelly, my old offensive coordinator, where I had a lot of mm -hmm. success, that would all of a sudden, you know, today. See, I don't think they make a move until they have something ready to go. And, right. you know, whether that coordinator was let go and they targeted him so if he was freed up to talk, then you make the move, you know? Mm -hmm. And so – that that's kind of the, I think that's some of the logical explanation for some of this instead of, okay, our season's over. We fired him, 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 and him. Some of that they do if they just, you know, okay, there's, they just don't want him no matter what. But I think right. with Stefanski, it's more like, okay, we have somebody in mind that we would feel would be an upgrade but we're not going to sh shoot ourselves in the foot until we know that we can get them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And it, like you said, last year, they very much acted in that fashion where they already had somebody in mind when they let their, let their folks go. Um, so we'll see if that's the case this year. Now, as you pointed out, Fred in Houston, um, there were problems on the offensive. Well, there were problems Across the board, right? There were certainly problems on defense, and um, uh, you know there are indicators, rumors out there that they're not done, that there may be changes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but um, you know, are you concerned uh, about this defense, their performance on the road? and their performance in particular against the better offensive coordinators in uh, Bob Slowick of the Houston Texans being an example here of one of the slick up-and-coming offensive coordinators in the league appearing really to have his way with uh, Jim Schwartz's defense. And to the extent that we're going to talk about the Houston game, that's what I want to get out of it is are there concerns about the defense based on what we saw out of Houston? And do you think there is uh cause maybe for an examination of the defensive coaching staff as well, Fred? Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of the half fall cup, you know, or all year we talked about how great the defense was. And by the way, they hired Jim Schwartz a year ago today, January 17th. 2023. I just came across that going through some of my old stories. But um, as far as um, it was the worst performance of the season, you know, and it came at the in the playoffs. And you just can't think that I, I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. I thought CJ Stroud would would have a good day. I think I had it 28-24. And him putting up 24 points, I thought would have been, 
you know, pretty good day. Mm -hmm. Right. But I didn't think that he would just destroy him that offense. The game was over in the first half, basically, you know, mm -hmm. because of the two pick sixes. 24 points. They gave up more yards in the first half than they were averaging in a game the whole year. And it was just came out of left field. But then you stay on the negative side and you say, well, gee, the defense didn't really play that well against upper echelon quarterbacks. You know, you can't really count Joe Burrow because he was injured when in the first game. You mm -hmm. know, I, he played, but I don't think anybody would think that he was, you know, playing at peak performance. And then you think, okay, Lamar Jackson, they handled him pretty much once, if you want to say 31 points. Um, the first time they didn't. The Colts, Garner Minshew wasn't that great, but he they got 39 points. You look at who is the, really the top quarterbacks they played, Matthew Stafford, Russell Wilson. You know, they both had their way, and they're not considered really top five quarterbacks. Trevor mm -hmm. Lawrence was playing with a – you know, a high ankle sprain. Justin Fields is kind of finding his way. They didn't play Stroud in the first game. They played the Jets guys, Simeon. So did they really play top quarterbacks? And when they played Stroud, he ate him alive, you know? So mm -hmm. you could be negative and say, wow, this, but, but I don't think it's totally that. I just think, yeah, that day you didn't get any pressure, which that's a concern. That's what you live on. You had one pressure, no sacks. And yep. so it's going to live with you all off season. I think the silver lining is, is that it's going to drive them to figure out what went wrong. Because when you're just sitting there watching the game from the press box, it's just like he is just slicing and dicing them. And he's supposed mm -hmm. to be a rookie. I mean, I watched him at Ohio State. When he started his career, I didn't think he was that great, but mm -hmm. he was very impressive by the end and, you know, in that Alabama game and so forth. But I haven't watched him all year. Just from my perspective, I thought he was better in the NFL, at least the, the other day than I ever saw him at Ohio State. And so right. that tells me he took us a leap, a major leap. So anyway – it was a great day for them, but a bad day for the Browns defense. And, and so I, I think they got to figure out, you know, against some of those play action pass rolling out on turf in a dome, they seem to have a little trouble, even with Matthew Stafford, who's not as mobile. So I don't know what the answer is on that, but then you can look at the other side where all year we heard, how great the defense was and so forth. Mm -hmm. They came out number one statistically in yards given up, but I'm more concerned with two stats points allowed. And they gave up 21.3 points allowed 13. So they were just a little bit ahead of the middle. They got to get that down and they got to create more turnovers. Obviously the offense cannot lead the league in giveaways. So, right. I, I think the one thing, the way it ended, the bright side is I think they'll they'll say we really this was not a fluke. We have to really address some of these issues as opposed to if they lose 
17 to 16 on the last second field goal, they'd say, well, we still got a great defense and we just, you know, we didn't have our kicker that day or something. So I don't know what the answer is, but it was concerning. I mean, I didn't see this coming. I don't think anybody saw it come. I know in the press box, all the writers that were in Houston didn't see it coming. In fact, we had to get there early because of traffic and everything. So mm-hmm. I can tell you almost every writer that I could see on my left or right, we were all working on our flights and our hotels for Baltimore. And because we assumed the Browns would win and figured that that would be the destination. And if you waited till after the game, you wouldn't have a chance. What happened to Houston flights, everything went bonkers because all the Browns fans bought them up. So right. we were trying to get ahead of the curve and <laughs> there it was the kiss of death. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just, you know, looking back at that game, you say no sacks, no pressures. Larry points out Houston only had two of the starters on their offensive line, you know, on a fast track. Uh, it's stunning to me that we didn't get pressure on C.J. Stroud. My opinion, I'm not an X's and O's guy by any stretch of the imagination. I don't pretend to be. But the way it looked to me, Fred, they just got flat out out-schemed, you know, on uh, on, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, guys in motion, uh, Stroud getting rid of the ball quickly. Um you know, well, and it they, looked like they they got destroyed, uh, you know, on the sidelines as well as on the field. Other than JOK, it didn't. It looked like the Texans' offense had extreme speed over the Browns. I mean, right. Our our friend Greg Newsom and Martin Emerson. There was plays where they were. There was a play to Nico Collins. I think he was 10 yards beyond. I think it was Martin Emerson, and the ball was overthrown, or it had been a touchdown. I mean, they were they were just picking on particularly Newsom, in my opinion, the whole game because he was just running behind whoever he was supposed to be covering. And, you know, I, I don't know. These guys talk a lot about how great they are, but sometimes sometimes I don't know if they back it up just because the guy overthrows him doesn't mean you made a great play. <laughs> it means you right. got lucky. Yeah. We've got a question on Newsom that we'll get to here in just a minute. But before we do that, uh, I want to uh, talk a little bit about our friends at Core Home Fitness, who uh, sponsor the program, the official show sponsor of uh, OBR Weekly. Uh, we recently introduced you to them. And as I announced them, I'm fully committing to making this a year of the web dork. Uh, trying to get myself back in shape. And even if you're not a web dork, but you want to get yourself back in shape, uh, look up our friends at Core Home Fitness at corehomefitness.com, as you can see on your screen there. You can check out their assortment of lifting equipment and especially their top-rated adjustable dumbbells. Uh, The New York Times and Men's Health Magazine rate them the A number one uh, uh, adjustable dumbbells available to anyone anywhere. They're also rated a Best Buy by Consumers Reports. So this is quality stuff, my friends, if you're looking to get in shape. Uh, they also have uh, videos on their website. Check them out. Uh, products like Glute Drive Plus and Fight Master. You can really just crush your goals with this equipment uh, and your own determination. 
they've got a U.S.-based support team, fast shipping, hassle-free returns, you name it. These guys know what they're doing, and you can tell what they, they know what they're doing because they sponsor the OBR, and they're good friends of this program. So if a schlub like me can try to get himself back in shape in 2024, you can too. Check out corehomefitness.com for the ultimate in home fitness equipment. They rock. So let's get to uh, your questions on uh, the uh, story of the day, the coaching changes, as well as a little bit of leftovers from the horror in Houston. Uh, and uh, let's dive right into it. This comes from Drew in Brick City. And Drew wants to know from you, Fred, what are the chances that uh, Kevin Stefanski gives up play calling? in 2024? Well, like I said, um, I was very surprised that Alex Van Pelt has been here for four years and that never happened. Um, he must have been very, he's obviously very content not to do that. Usually in the assistant coaching world, that's the perk to be an offensive coordinator. And so unless somebody has done it before or is just looking to get promoted from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator or something like that and have the title. I don't know why they would come to be the offensive coordinator if that wasn't part of the deal. But if Stefanski has already has somebody in mind and they're happy just to come join the staff and be the offensive coordinator, but it's made clear they're not calling the plays, then, you know, that that would tell me that he will not give up the play calling. He is, he is kind of insisted for four years why he thinks it's best for him to call the plays. So I don't, I don't know if this will be the magic year that he turns it over. He's going to have to have a lot of confidence in somebody and maybe it's somebody that's worked with Watson and somebody that's been very successful with Watson calling plays. I don't know if Tim Kelly, you know, did that or who is, but if there's somebody that, you know, Watson feels comfortable with and said, this worked really well, this is what we did. I could see him doing that. I don't think his ego's in the way. I just really think that he felt he was the best person for the job I know a lot of fans might not think that but um that is a lot of people think that's what he does best is what it you know as far as a head coach maybe he grew this year in game management and some of those type things but I don't know you know as far as if he's willing to do that he has not given any indication that he is willing to give up play calling. And I don't right. think that's what parted ways with, I don't think Alex Van Pelt said, look, if I'm not calling plays next year, I'm out of here. I don't think that had anything to do with it. Right. But right. Um, I don't think at this point, until you tell me he's got somebody in mind that has been there, done it with Watson or has proven is bringing a system kind of hit the ground with your system type guy. Okay. Then, then I could see him doing that for sure. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. I think it's really going to narrow down that list of potential offensive coordinators. If 
play calling is off the table. But uh, uh, admittedly, I think Kevin Stefanski is pretty good at it. I know a lot of people watching the show will disagree with me, but uh, uh, I think he's darn good at calling plays. But uh, I don't think rate, that. I don't think that again. This is just a okay. We fired him. Now we're starting from scratch. I have to think he has he has a, a short list or he has a pretty good idea who he wants and if they were interested in the first place. Cause I don't think mm-hmm. he's the type that creates a problem without already having the answer. Right. Okay. Right. In other words, you don't fire me until you have my replacement already, even though nobody might know the name of them yet. Right. Right. Um, next question again from Drew in Brick City. Uh, he wants to know if Brian Callahan gets a head coaching job, is Bill gone? And uh, what are your thoughts on that, Fred, uh, in terms of likelihood? I don't know the dynamic. You know, I I know he's down at Cincinnati, and I I would think he could have went down to Cincinnati and been under him, you know, or worked with him. Um, I don't know the dynamic sometimes, you know, fathers don't necessarily want to be working under their son or vice versa, you know, as far as if, if Brian's a head coach, I don't know if, if he really wants his dad to be working under him, nor does it, you know, I don't know the Mm -hmm. dynamic at all. all. It obviously would be. If that's something they've always dreamed about, I'm sure that he would go there. Right. But I will say that he's groomed Scott Peters. He's been his assistant here for four years. And, in fact, when we have interviews on Friday with the assistant coaches, Callahan hasn't spoken for the offensive line to the media since training camp. Um, I think he talked once in training camp, maybe twice. Peters is the one that talks every every time there's open media for the offensive line. So, I, in other words, yeah, I think you'd miss him, but I think Peters has become like Callahan Jr. Right, right. Um, well, it would be good to have a replacement in place. Uh, that is certainly that is certainly true. Uh, but you're right. We don't know the dynamic between the two, although there are suspicions, obviously, that uh, uh, Callahan might leave. But uh, we'll wait to see. Um, Ten Watt uh, asks, how do we make sense of the fact that Stefanski might win Coach of the Year twice in four years while also having to fire almost his entire staff during that time for poor performance? I guess what he's saying here is how can he be Coach of the Year when he consistently hires the wrong people? Um, how do you make sense of that, Fred? Well, I don't, I don't look at it that way as far as I couldn't believe how little turnover they had. I mean, his first year, everybody pretty much was back unless they got a promotion to another team. Mm -hmm. And then last year it wasn't right away other than, Woods was let go right away, but like I said, it was pretty obvious after two years, the deep or was it three years? After three years, the defense was the problem, 
And he went out and immediately got Jim Schwartz, who was, I think anybody would have, that's a tremendous upgrade. And he did the same thing at special teams and they were much better this year. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't, they weren't rolling the first three years or at least the first two years didn't make many changes at all. And last year, I think was out of necessity. They felt like we have to change, you know, the defense and even some of the defensive coaches this year were here from prior um, and were rearranged. They even kept a couple of them. Now, I don't know if they'll keep them beyond this year. I know Ben Bloom was, was moved to defensive line this year and he was on the mm-hmm. staff, you know, before. As far as now, these moves here today, again, if they were just firing them to fire them for lack of performance, um, I think they'd have done that immediately. I I think these moves are with a with a plan that we know who we want and we're going after. We've already, you know, have a have a list of ones that we feel are an upgrade. Whether, you know, like Deuce Daly, younger, energetic, you know, Mm -hmm. Stump Mitchell, 64 years old, um, well-respected. And so they might say, you know, we need to get some new juice in there. And the same thing with with all those positions. But I'm going to wait till I see what happens. I I don't think this is like the Brown search when they went after, you know, we always remember they went after the big name. And they got turned down. They fired mm. their coach. And then after seven rejections, they get Mike Pettin or right. Bob Chudzinski. Hey, you want to be co- oh, okay. Hey, you want to be coaching? Oh, okay. You get the thing <laughs> lined up ahead of time. You don't take a chance okay. on being left in the cold, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, unless you just want to get rid of the guy bad or he wants out, like Mike or Kyle Shanahan did, you wait till you get a better replacement. And I, even though they let prefer go last year, you knew Ventrone was going to get hired soon as they got permission to talk to him. And obviously they got permission to some of these guys already. They've talked to, I think Crow from the Titans and, and Kelly and, and Staley from the pant, you know, so I think they're moving, you know, pretty quickly. And I wouldn't look at them like they're firing them because, um, they were so bad. They they have a specific area they want to head into mm-hmm. with this offense, and so they're looking for somebody they have in mind who's good in that. They think. Right. Right. Um. Again, I yeah, I'm not sure the two things are related because change is constant in the NFL. Um. You know, you don't find too many coaching staffs without a lot of turnover. Even Mike Tomlin, who's been there forever in in Pittsburgh, you know, his coaching staff, you know, has turnover, so on and so forth. Uh, A question from Larry. Do you think that game decided Greg Newsom in his fifth-year option? Boy, oh, boy. Greg Newsom, uh, obviously very vocal, very visible, uh, was visible in ways that he probably wouldn't have liked uh, against Houston. Uh, going into that contest, Fred, uh, uh, do you think it causes the team to sort of reevaluate him and his his role with the team? 
Yeah, I don't know how they really grade him out. I know he hired an agent, Rosenhaus, last year, and I think Brad even said he wanted to be traded. And I think that was all about money, you know, that he didn't want to get labeled as a as a slot corner because right. they get paid less than what the outside guys do. And I think they reassured him that, you know, we're not going to do that. We look at everybody the same. I don't know. I've just seen the guys that um, Andrew Barry has dealt with when they come to their fifth year option, even Baker Mayfield, they picked it up. Uh, I, Jedrick Wells. I, I don't think that means necessarily that they are sold that Jedrick Wills is the long-term answer. They mm-hmm. will continue to look. And I still think that's kind of how they'll approach Newsom. In other words, you don't just create a hole until you have somebody to replace them, you know? Sure. And so I, I, I don't think that one game will decide. They may pick up his fifth-year option and decide to move on and be looking to find another cornerback. They're always drafting cornerbacks anyway. I mean, every year they drafted Mitchell this year and Emerson the year before they feel that's a premium position. So I can see them continuing to add, you know, players at that position, same way with left tackle that they cannot be sold on their tackle situation. I think they're, they're pleasantly surprised with Dewan Jones. I don't think they're that happy with Hudson draft pick. I mean, unless he really played well in their opinion at the end of the year. So they know they have to address that position or it's going to be long term with Jedrick Wills. So I I think I'll pick up the fifth year option. Another the answer to the question is I don't think that will be the determination. I think it will determine more that we need to be looking and not count on him maybe with a long-term extension. Right. Right. And yeah, keep him around for a fifth year or wait to see if somebody offers something for him during the off season, you know, thinks that the, the Browns will trade him, you know, what have you, but uh, you know, don't just let him walk, get something of value for him. Um, Got a question here about Justin Fields, but before we get to that, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about our other show sponsor, our first sponsor of this show, uh, our good friend Philly. Last week, I talked to you a bit at this time in the show about uh, our sponsor, Scott Fillinger, and how he can make you more successful with your clients if you're a businessman. Uh, He can create incredible merchandise that you can provide to your clients so they have positive feelings about you and your business. Uh, as a businessman myself, you know, an ex-client of, you know, uh, various other businesses, I always felt good when they gave me gear, their branded gear, and, and showed that they cared about my business. Well worth the investment. And he works with great stuff. Um, you know, the top flight vendors, you know, if he can make Fred and I look presentable, just imagine the miracles he can work with you and your business. Um he, he can do that regardless of whether you're a Fortune 500 company or hard scrabble knockabout Cleveland Browns website. Of course, you know Philly as a good guy, an awesome OBR supporter, a hardcore Browns fan. You know he's going to be easy to work with. So if you've got clients and you're not working with Philly, you're making a bad decision. So pick up the phone or crank up an email 
contact him at the information that uh, we've got up on your screen right now, right here, and, uh, you know, get to work impressing your clients and uh, just doing better business. Scott Fillinger's the guy. All right. So let's move on to this next question from Red Leader 74 He says, so heard that the Browns may be looking to trade for Justin Fields. Anyone else hear this? I know an ex-practice squad guy, but rumors are still rumors. I'm not going to ask you to verify that rumor, Fred, but I am going to ask you whether you think that a trade for Justin Fields makes sense at any level for the Cleveland Browns at this point, given what they've been saying about uh, Deshaun Watson. No. Why would you trade for a guy that needs a contract extension unless you move on from the quarterback that you still have, you know, at three years of a 230. So you have, you know, over a hundred million still guaranteed to give him. Unless you can get a trade partner that will take on a contract, you can't trade him. But I don't think, I don't think they think that that would be an upgrade over Deshaun Watson. Ohio State fans might think not. I, I like Justin Fields and I think he's pretty good, but I don't think Deshaun. I don't think he's better than Deshaun Watson. Um, and so, no, I don't see that at all. I mean, you're not trading for him to be your backup. If you trade for him, you got to part of the problem. The reason they're looking to move on from him, I believe, is because he's you know, going to be a free agent. He's coming out of his rookie deal. And if they draft a Caleb Williams or somebody like that, then you have a rookie on his work, like a CJ Stroud, you have him for five mm -hmm. years. Right. And that window's about closed with fields. Is this his fourth year or something like that? Or, or mm -hmm. fifth year? I don't know, but no, I, I don't. I don't know why that would be on the table. I don't know what, why the Browns would do that. Right. Let's go to our next question. Uh, this is from Ten Watt again. He says, does this mean Stefanski doesn't get an extension this offseason? If this team underperforms next year, who else is left to blame? They've turned over the entire staff but the head coach. Um, what do you think the odds are on that, Fred? I, I, I think it's almost certain that Stefanski gets an extension after this season. I do too. I mean, everybody's like one, one game, you know, I know it was a playoff, but he's, he's got more wins than Belichick had at this point. I think that he is, he did a lot. He's, he's a very even keel guy and he's kind of good in crisis mode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we haven't seen him, you know, with a healthy franchise quarterback, he seems to do better with the, you know, with the backup guys, you know, that he has, they've all had, you could, you could say Case Keenum had a career best under Stefanski in Minnesota and Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I didn't watch it this year, but seemed like you had his best year in the NFL under Stefanski in 2020 and Jacoby Brissett did and, mm -hmm. you know, and Flacco had a resurgence and, and so I think that I don't know what more you want out of the guy. You know, it's he doesn't give great answers, but neither did Bill Belichick. I never thought Bill Belichick would go on to do what he did. Um, 
So sometimes you, you get what you wish for and you're right back to starting over again. You know, the Browns have been doing this for so long. It's nice, in my opinion, to have stability and just have a have some stable and then just upgrade where you need to. I don't mm-hmm. think, you know, I think he made a good move last year by getting Jim Schwartz. And I think he made a good move by getting Bubba Ventrone. So let's let's see what they're going to do here with the offensive side of it and retool it. You know, obviously what they were thinking they were going to do last year, it was hamstrung quite a bit because of the injury to the quarterback. He could never get on track. He just had his best game of the year, and then it turned out he was hurt. And then right. next a month later, he starts up again, and then he gets hurt. And I don't know how you can gauge that or put that on Stefanski when the quarterback was starting and stopping all the time. Right, right. Um, and I, I just think that what happened with the culture this year, and, and Schwartz probably deserves, you know, a huge amount of the credit. But, uh, uh, you know, you've got to point to Stefanski in terms of that, the the one and oh mentality that they had. Uh, interesting question from Does It Matter? I would love to see Daryl Bevel uh, considered uh, if he's willing to come into a place where he might not have, um, you know, play calling responsibilities. But uh, uh, he asked, what's the consistency on him? Miami was dynamic with him as a position coach. Does he bring high-end OC caliber ideas or pedigree with him from the Miami Dolphins? Uh, any thoughts on him, Fred? Don't know a lot about him other than the name, but Obviously, you're involved in that Miami offense, you know, high-powered, kind of seemed to taper off this year as well as last year. But part of that, I think, were injuries. So um, he seems he seems like he would he would be a good fit, you know, for what they want to do. But again, does he want to call plays? You know, is that is that mesh with what? Kevin Stefanski's trying to accomplish. I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's a real intriguing possibility, but uh, I absolutely right. I don't know how it meshes with what Stefanski wants to do. Uh, question coming in from Week Grand on uh, YouTube. He says, "Love the show, guys. Thank you." What's your make of Bill Gruss- Musgrave for this coaching staff? He was brought on as an advisor but not totally sure what his role was this year. Uh, media didn't get too many cracks at him, uh, <coughs> did he, Fred? If any, I, I don't recall how many times or if he even spoke to the media. No. You know, I, I don't know of anybody that requested him. You know, sometimes there there's another one or two on the staff. Sometimes they're just kind of – I don't know if there's somebody that crossed paths with Stefanski at some time in the career, but many times – these coaches remember and bring guys on, you know, that, that want to come on. I don't know totally what he did, you know, consultant mm-hmm. or something like that. So right, don't know much about the guy. Sometimes it's just your history and your past performance earns you a kind of an emeritus position. <laughs> right, right. I'd love to have one of those at some point, an emeritus position. I don't know if they have those for web dorks. Um, E. Gillen, question. Can Fred answer why the D did not travel well? 
That's a that's a good question. Why why the great disparity, you know, between home and away games for this uh, for this defense this year, Fred? Uh, very curious. Well, I don't know the answer. I mean, it's it's obvious that at home they were they gave up like thirteen points a game, and on the road it's like thirty or thirty one. It's got to be more than just the players' abilities. Um, I I thought they had kind of turned it around because that had been the question until they went down to Houston the first time and just basically shut them out. I mean, I know it was Case Keenum, but it was 36 to 7 with six minutes to go, and the seven points Houston scored was – on a kick return. So basically the first team defense shut them out with mm-hmm. six minutes to go. They put the backups in and they gave up two touchdowns. So I didn't think that's, that was my thought on the playoff game that I knew CJ Stroud was difference, but I didn't think he was 30 point difference. And he was pretty close to that. Their offense put up 31. Um <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, that's that's something they got to figure out. It just can't really be the crowd noise. It. I mean, the Browns, I mean, there was a lot of Browns fans. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like Cleveland Stadium, but it wasn't. You could hear on a, on a play that was going the Browns way, a big roar. And usually that's the home team roaring. And mm. it wasn't. So. I, I really don't know. I, I It's just one of those things. I mean, they got to get that figured out because next year you play nine games on the road. I just think that's the – it's one of those anomalies. You, you just – I had always said this defense will travel and it will keep them in games all year. And they gave up some of their most points on the road all season. And Yeah. That, just, I mean, the overtelling thing is why it's so important to win your division. See, they'd have hosted their first playoff game, and, and this team was night and day different at home. And mm-hmm. you just have to have a – you got to be – you know, and you think back, I haven't figured it all out, but I think if you'd have beat the Steelers in that second game, which you should have won that game, you probably mm-hmm. would have won the division and had a home game or at least you've right. been playing for it against the Bengals to end the season. So, you know, those things matter, and they come back to bite you in the end. And in this season, Browns had the second-best record in the AFC with tiebreakers, and yet we all know they had to play on the road because they weren't a division winner. And right, you really yeah. got to put that focus on winning the division. You know, it's so important. Yeah, and it's not just a factor of playing at home with the home crowd. Uh, you take Houston and you put them up here in the weather that we had on Saturday, you know, the cold and the wind that we had on Saturday. C.J. Stroud is a different character, you know, on turf on that fast track, and Nico Collins is a different character. Uh, I I think that game looks a lot different if it's being played up in Cleveland than it, than it did down in Houston, but... Uh, we will never know. Uh, Rocky Balboa asks, Fred, are you looking to hear anything in particular from Andrew Barry at his season wrap-up presser? 
I usually have, I usually don't have very high expectations because it's a lot of <laughs> double speak and and right. vagueness. Questions will be, what do you think about Newsom's fifth year? You know, Fred, we don't answer contract question. You know, and and literally anything you know, practical like that, that you want to know, he doesn't answer. It's just in general, well, we're going to look at anything we can do. You almost have to try to get between the lines and, and read in. It ends up you parse every word trying to, well, what did he mean by that? You know, like I remember asking him about the Baker Mayfield, you know, year. would you do anything you can do to upgrade the position, even if it meant offending your starting quarterback? And he said, that's our job. And, and what ended up, they went out and offended their starting quarterback by going after mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. And right. they were forced to overpay and do whatever they could to land Watson because if you remember, Mayfield just said, well, I'm done. I don't, I want traded. I don't want to be here anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. They're in a different situation now, but what I'm what I want to ask him if I get the chance, I don't know what kind of answer he'll get. I want to know if he learned that I get the idea that you brought in all quarterbacks with the same skill set in Deshaun Watson, Josh Dobbs, and DTR. Mm-hmm. But as your thinking changed now after seeing like Joe Flacco, that maybe it's more important to just have a good veteran quarterback, regardless of his skill set, even if he's a, a slow guy, you know, right. as opposed to having everybody, you know, have the same skill set. So I don't, I think that would be, you know, interesting to know if they've changed their thinking a little on that. I don't know if they'd answer it, but if you have any questions, I should ask them, let me know. You know, we, we might get in one question if if we can get them to call on us. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, good luck getting an answer out of uh, the Harvard guy uh, who uh, is working very hard not to give you answers. Uh, Pat Shea asks, uh, will Conklin or Jones be the starting right tack- tackle if Conklin returns healthy? Well, that that's a question I think that's going to occupy us a lot. Uh, what's going to happen at the tackle position this year in terms of Dewan Jones and, and his status, Fred, uh, what's your initial thought on that? Assuming that Conklin's healthy this year. Well, I think they like Dewan Jones a lot. My biggest, I think he's going to start somewhere. I think the biggest question will be, you know, will they try to convert him to left tackle long-term, you know, Will they move on from Conklin? Would they do a buyout? I mean, you've had two years in a row. Conklin has, you know, missed almost the whole year with injury. And it doesn't, in many respects, make sense to bring him back when you got somebody that's 22, 23 that you could have for the next 10 years. So they might look to some type of buyout or some type of thing. Um, it's unfortunate. But I think if you found a replacement, you'd much rather have the 23, 24-year-old replacement than the 32, 33. They restru- I was surprised last year they restructured Con- Conklin's deal. He was playing through after a major injury. And 
you know, Jack Duffin could probably know the contract situation more than me, but as far as I know, he's got some guaranteed money, big amount. And I don't know what you can do, but I'm sure they'll work something because the biggest thing you got to have two starters and a really good third ones. I don't know if they would choose to swap Jones and Conklin. And if they can't move on, you know, have Conklin be the swing tackle left or right or what they would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's going to, I think that's going to be a subject of some discussion uh, as we go on during this off season. Uh, I can't tell you what the answer is going to be at this point for sure. Uh, Rocky Balboa, final question this evening wants to know, were you there when Marty turned all the mics off and asked what more he could do? You weren't covering the team then with Marty, were you? Schottenheimer? Uh, yeah. No. I was in Arizona from 82 to 88. I came back for the 89 season, and that was when Bud Carson took over. Bud Carson's first year. And, right. you know, when they thought all we need is a defensive coordinator coach who can stop John Elway. And they lost the third time to John Elway in the AFC yes, Championship did. under Bud Carson. I remember it well, and they started that year by pounding the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was a glorious moment. Yep. Yeah. It was a glorious moment, but it ended the same way as all those other years. Well, <laughs> that, uh, that takes us up to uh, 8 o'clock and gets us through all the questions that we had. And I want to thank everyone for hanging out with us again uh, this evening. Uh, it's fun as always, and uh, always great to read your comments as they scroll on by. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for hanging out with us again this night. Uh, we will be back again next Wednesday at 7 o'clock. So for Fred Breatham, I'm Barry McBride, and we will see you next Wednesday. Good night, everybody. See y'all. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.